Yo, yo, it's Digsies, baby. The podcast, episode number 10. And I want to start off by saying thank you, Hal Steinbrenner. Thank you, condescendingly, because number one, we have a jam-packed show today that was already written in stone. And this morning, you had to announce that Aaron Boone will be coming back as the Yankees managers for three years and an option nonetheless. And number two, thank you for bringing back Aaron Boone because that's exactly what us Yankees fans wanted. We wanted to bring Boone back. We wanted to just be muddled in mediocrity for the next three years, if not more. And we just wanted to be tortured for another three years with Aaron Boone's decisions and Aaron Boone being our manager. And I just want to come out and say that Aaron Boone's agent, great job. I applaud you because last week, news dropped and rumors dropped that the San Diego Padres were looking to hire Aaron Boone as their next manager. And what does Hal do? Overreacts, throws three years at Aaron Boone plus options, three years plus options for him to come back to be the Yankees manager. And this is what our, this is what Hal Steinbrenner came out and said today. We have a person and manager in Aaron Boone who possesses the baseball acumen and widespread respect in our clubhouse to continue to guide us forward. The Right then and there, that's an incorrect statement because the Yankees have been going backwards, not forwards. So how? That's incorrect. As a team and an organization, we must grow, evolve, and improve. If you're going to grow, evolve, and improve, you know what? You should probably get somebody else in there instead of an analytical puppet. Okay. He said that we need to get better, period. Yes, you do need to get better, period. And maybe getting better would be getting a different manager in there and having somebody look at this team a different way. But You went with the easy route. You brought uh, Boone back. I know Aaron fully embraces our expectations of success, and I look forward to drawing on his intelligence, instincts, and leadership in pursuit of our next World Series championship. His instincts and intelligence, which is being controlled by Brian Cashman. We all know that. Aaron Boone is Brian Cashman's puppet. So Boone's back. Cashman has another year left under his contract. Like, why are you signing Boone for a three-year deal plus options when Cashman only has one year left on his deal? So pretty much you're saying that if the Yankees fail this year, which let's be real, they've been failing nonstop since 2009. If the Yankees fail this year and you fire Brian Cashman, then you're going to bring in a brand new general manager who then has to decide what to do with Aaron Boone and potentially will have to fire Aaron Boone, which you'll probably have to end up paying and eating those two years if that happens. So you know what? I, I just don't understand the, the optics with this. And I don't, I understand the optics. You want to put on a full United front. You fired Phil Nevin, the third base coach. You fired Marcus Thames, the hitting coach. You're trying to let us know that, hey, maybe you gave us something. You gave Yankee fans something. You cleaned house a little bit, but you know what? Phil Nevin made one mistake. Okay, Marcus Thames, the Yankees didn't hit in the postseason. They didn't hit in clutch situations. You know, is it really Marcus Thames' issue? Like, how many hitting coaches are we going to get in there? We got rid of long Thames. It's just, I I just, I don't understand. Like, you don't want a lame duck manager. 
You don't want a lame duck manager in the dugout, but you know what? Give Boone a one-year contract with an option. So him and Cashman are tied at the hip. So if it doesn't work out this year, you clean house, new GM, new manager. Now you got Boone locked in for three years. Obviously, he doesn't have to stay for three years. You could fire him whenever you want, but... It pretty much is telling me right now that Hal Steinbrenner is going to give Cashman an extension. And I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if news comes out in the next few days, in the next few weeks, that Brian Cashman gets a two-year contract extension. So then the Yankees will have Brian Cashman for the next three years, Aaron Boone for the next three years, and we could continue to make it to the playoffs and lose in the wild card game, the ALDS, and maybe one year we'll make to the ALCS before the Astros or Red Sox kicks our ass. So Once again, Aaron Boone is back as the Yankees manager. Twitter is blowing up right now. Yankee fans are furious, and I'm furious, and I don't think it's a good idea. Hopefully, they'll prove me wrong, but us Yankee fans, we wanted Aaron Boone gone since July. We wanted the Yankees to lose the wild card game so they uh, could fire Aaron Boone. They lost the wild card game. He gets a fucking three-year contract extension. If they probably missed out on that wildcard game and didn't make the playoffs, he probably would have got that contract extension anyway. So it was written in stone. Hal Steinbrenner obviously was bringing Aaron Boone back all along, and we'll have to deal with this puppet manager the pup and the puppet master for the next three years. Now, across town in Jersey, the New York Giants put up another dud on Sunday and it was a horrendous horrendous performance and I don't want to get too much into this because I'm just going to get aggravated we got a great show for you today we got a a crazy in-depth NBA season preview going over every single NBA team it was we're going to focus on that this week but the Giants suck the Yankees announced that Aaron Boone's the three-year contract extension so you know, all this news has thrown off our plan. So let's hit the Giants real quick. They lost 38 to 11 to the Los Angeles Rams, and they look horrible out there. Uh, first, beginning of the game, first quarter, Kadarius Tony goes down with another injury, and the Giants have the worst injury luck in the whole entire NFL this year. And after the game, what does Joe Judge do? Everybody is tired with his little press conference moments trying to be cute this and that and he comes out and he's like oh if you're in a submarine and you got a leak in the submarine you know you need someone to plug that leak next man up let's fill it it's like us fans we don't want to hear that joe judge like we're tired of these little innuendos and these little cute statements like you would have been better off just coming out saying we all live in a yellow submarine yellow submarine yellow submarine honestly we probably would have been like that better than you saying oh we got to plug the hole and and take care of the leak next man up we're gonna be okay we're gonna be fine you're not you're not gonna be okay you're not gonna be fine you're one and five okay you're going you're looking at a, a, a two three four win season and the worst thing about this all is we don't know if daniel jones is the quarterback of the future or not He's in his third year, and we still don't know if he's going to be the quarterback of the future or not. He shows flashes of greatness. He shows flashes of being horrible. The offensive play calling is horrible, 
horrendous. Jason Garrett needed to go yesterday, tomorrow, whatever. Get Freddie Kitchens in there. Let Freddie Kitchens call the offensive plays because it can't get worse than Jason Garrett. And it just sucks. Looking around the league, Justin Herbert's in his second year. You know he's going to be a star. Joe Burrow's in his second year. You know he's going to be a star. Daniel Jones is an extra year in the NFL more than them. And we still don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be a star. And it's probably going to come down to what happened with the Jets. We're going to go fucking three and uh, 14 or two and 15. We're going to get rid of Daniel Jones. He's going to sign on somewhere else and he's going to look like a superstar. Like Sam Donald looks great over in Carolina. And we're going to start all over again, bring in a new GM, bring in a new coach, bring in a new quarterback and start the cycle all over again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat and continue be the worst team in the NFL like we have been since 2016. So honestly, Joe Judge, you need a new shtick. And honestly, out of all the coaches in the NFL, and this is including Urban Meyer with his gropey little hands down there in Jacksonville, I would say Joe Judge is the number one coach that is on the hot seat right now. And that's including Urban Meyer, who just got caught groping women two weeks ago. So what does that say about the New York Giants franchise? But other than that, I don't want to fucking talk about the NFL. I don't want to talk about baseball. Let's get to the NBA season preview. We got a good season coming up for the Knicks. They should be good. Honestly, if the Knicks suck this year, I'm just going to give up sports until fall 2022 because this is starting to get horrible. Hey. You know what? We got the Rangers, 2-1-1. One, and one. The Rangers looked great last night, beating the Maple Leafs. We'll hit that at the end of the show as well. But the Knicks and the Rangers right now are our saving grace because the Giants suck. The Yankees are just going to muddle in mediocrity, like I said before. And I'm fed up. I'm fed up with the Giants. I'm fed up with the Yankees. Like I said last episode, episode nine, the lost decade for New York sports. And it's going to continue because the Giants aren't going anywhere. The Yankees don't look like they're going to go anywhere unless they make major offseason changes because they need to get contact. They need to get speed. Okay. We can't just pummel everybody with home runs because it's not working. We need another arm in the rotation. We need to get people that get on base, people that could steal bases, contact speed, small ball. Let's incorporate a little bit more small ball into the power hit as we got Judge Gallo Stanton. So Yankees, bring back Aaron Boone, three-year contract with one option year and Joe Judge continually making stupid press conference statements and he's trying to be like Bill Belichick but you know what the difference is with Bill Belichick Bill Belichick wins and Joe Judge you haven't won shit since you came over and been the head coach of the New York Giants so that wraps it up for the Yankees for the Giants let's get to this NBA season preview All right, so the 2021-2022 
NBA Diamond Anniversary 75th season tips off tonight with the defending champions Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Brooklyn Nets. A rematch of that tightly fought Eastern Conference semifinal series last year that the Nets almost won and would have won if Kevin Durant wore one shoe size smaller. Uh, Game two, we'll see Steph Curry and the Warriors head to LA to take on LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, the new big three, and the new look Lakers. Uh, Let's go over every single team here and uh, we'll give you some predictions and thoughts on who will take home the chip, MVP, rookie of the year, what have you. But let's start at home with everybody, what everybody wants to hear, the New York Knicks. They brought in some big names this offseason. Kemba Walker to start at the point. Evan Fournier drafted a few nice new prospects. Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride, Jericho Sims. But let's be real. If the Knicks have their way, the rookies won't see much time unless it's garbage time or, God forbid, injuries. We all know that Tom Thibodeau likes to run a tight rotation. Uh, the Knicks had an amazing, amazing preseason, 4-0. and They shot 41.8% from the field as a team, 38% from three, which was third best in the preseason, only behind the Nets and the Bucks. And, of course, the two main teams standing in the Knicks' way to make it to the finals, the Nets in the Bucks, but hey, we're shooting 38% from three. I like it. Randall continued his great play, 23 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. I really think that Jubron, hey, if you guys didn't listen to the Next Time podcast last year, that's my nickname for Julius Randall, Jubron, because he's mini LeBron, LeBron light. The way he runs down that court, facilitates, grab rebounds, score. Randall is a beast. And honestly, he won most improved player last year, but people aren't giving him more credit. He deserves more credit. And I think this year he'll show the NBA and everybody else around the world that he deserves that credit. And hopefully regular season Randall stays regular season Randall because he was a beast in the regular season last year. And I think that he learned from his playoff failures last year and we'll see a different guy come playoffs this year. Uh, I think that RJ Barrett will make the biggest leap this year. Um, He continually gets better every single year that he's been in the league. It's his third year. He'll take the next leap. He looks like he gained two inches and hit a little growth spurt this offseason this summer. And hey, a 6'8 RJ Barrett versus 6'6 RJ Barrett, it's going to make things that much easier for RJ to score down low. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, he should be a dominant center down low. He put on 25 pounds of muscle. He added that on to the offseason with a nice workout program. Mitch was always a great athletic big down low, but All along, we've always said he needed to get a little bit bigger because when you play teams like the Paces and you got Miles Turner down there throwing you around or you play teams like, let's say, the Cavs with Jared Allen, you need to be big down low and Mitch put on the weight to be big down low and I think Mitch will have a big year this year. Uh, OB and IQ will take the next step. 
Fournier will help with shooting. Kemba and D-Rose running the point is going to be a lot, a lot better than fucking Alfred Payton last year. And I really think that Kemba Walker is going to have a big year. He said today that his heart is already beating fast. It's a big moment in his career. I think Kemba Walker steps up and we see a little throwback to cardiac Kemba at the Garden. Uh, Nerland's Noel will contribute down low. Burks is always wet off the bench. And all in all, I think it's going to be a very, very good team this year. Uh, you know this will be a team playing hard-nosed defense with the way Tibbs coaches and the way they've been shooting the ball in the preseason. We can see this Knicks team put up some big, big-time points. And I want to see an Easter Conference Finals appearance. That's what I want. That That's... That's what I would say is an successful year for the Knicks this year. I want to see them make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. It will be hard to get past the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat, whoever will be there waiting for them. They probably got to beat one of those teams to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I want to see that, man. At least the Eastern Conference semis, you know, making the playoffs isn't a win anymore. Okay, we did that last year. Let's go win a series or two, and that will be a successful year for the Knicks. But all in all, the Knicks will be a competent team this year. They'll win a lot of games, and I think they'll win over 50 games. I really do. And they'll be there around the third, fourth seed, maybe second. We'll see what happens. Now, across the river in Brooklyn, all the drama all offseason long was once again Kyrie Irving and the Nets organization, Sean Marks, they finally grabbed their balls and said, you know what, Kyrie, if you're not getting vaccinated, you're not playing. You're not playing on the road. You're not going to be a part-time player. And I commend them for that. I really do. Because you know what? That would be, you can't have two different game plans, one at home and one away. And you can't have two different lineups. And it just causes too much drama. There's no cohesiveness. They don't need them. You know, now that they got hard and just thank God they got hardened because if they didn't get hardened, KD would have to handle a big load. But Harden could run the point. You brought in Patty Mills, which looks great right now after Kyrie not being there. He's an experienced veteran with the championship pedigree. He'll be a good locker room voice in the Nets, other than uh, for the Nets, other than Harden and uh, KD in there. And you know, like I said, you got the usual suspects: KD, Jimmy Harden. They'll ball out. They'll single-handedly carry the Nets team to a one and two seed. Uh, Blake Griffin's back after he revitalized his career in Brooklyn last year. And you got LaMarcus Aldridge coming back after that short retirement. That should help down low. Uh, Paul Millsap is a nice addition. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's championship or bust for the Nets this year. And I think without Kyrie, I know people will probably say that's a bad thing, but I think it's going to be a good thing. And I think Harden's going to ball out. I think KD's going to ball out. And I think we'll see the Nets in the finals this year against the Lakers. Now, down to Hotlanta and the A, the Hawks. They were a surprise conference finalist last year behind Ice Trey, the game, Trey Young. They re-signed John Collins, a great move for them. He's already paying dividends. Uh, he's been posterizing people in the preseason. Uh, the starting five is back the same as it was last year. Trey, Bogdan, Hunter, JC, Capella. You got Herter, Gallo, Reddish, and Lou Will coming off the bench. And, you know, it'll be hard for the Hawks to repeat last year's success, making it to the conference finals. Uh, I expect a little step back. Um, 
considering, you know, last year they were one series away from a finals appearance. But I think the Hawks will be a top four, top five team in the Eastern Conference this year. Now, up to Boston, we saw a shakeup in the front office and coaching staff this season. Uh, Brad Stevens stepped down as head coach, will now be president of basketball operations. Um, excuse me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Ime Adoka takes his place as head coach. And uh, you got to wonder if the players weren't buying into Steven's way of doing things because this team has been underperforming for a while now, Uh, especially when you got a top 10 player in Jason Tatum. They've been underperforming. They should have been going deeper in the playoffs than they have. Uh, They brought in Dennis Schroeder to run the point from LA. He replaces Kemba Walker. Enos Kanta, Al Horford are back. You got Marcus Smart and his tight D, high end still there. Marcus Smart brings the intangibles every single night. Their bench is young, and I don't think with this new coach we'll see much out of the Celtics this year. Uh, they'll make the playoffs. They'll probably be like a six seed, but that's about it. Um, down to Charlotte, MJ has built an exciting core of young studs. LaMelo, Bridges, new draft pick, James Bugnight. P.J. Washington, Uh, they brought in a veteran presence with Kelly Oubre to go alongside Gordon Haywood. Um, They might get into a playing game. They probably will, but they're a year or two away from really competing. Now, on to Chicago. This new look Bulls team looked amazing in the preseason. They also went 4-0 this preseason like the Knicks, and they scored 118 points per game, which was second behind the Mavericks, who beat them by a half a point. The Mavericks scored 118.5 points per game. So the Bulls team, they'll score. They'll push the pace behind new additions. Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan. Last year's trade deadline acquisition, Nikola Vucevic will take down the business down low. He'll take care of the block. We all know Zach Levine is an all-star at the guard position. Second year forward, Patrick Williams will take the next step. Same with Colby White, who's coming off the bench. He'll be a great six-man. Look for him to be in the six-man of the year uh, contention this year. and. They nabbed a champion, Alex Caruso, coming off the bench after signing him from La La Land. And I really do think that the Bulls will make the playoffs. They'll be a very exciting team to watch this year. Very offensively minded. Let's just see what defense they'll bring to the table. But the Bulls look good and they look as good as they have in the past, you know, four or five years. Now, Down to Cleveland, they've seen better days, uh, but they got youth. Uh, Rookie Evan Mobley joins a young supporting cast. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen. Uh, They brought in Laurie Marketing from the Bulls, which was interesting when they got so much depth down low. Uh, Kevin Love still hanging around down there. Rookie Rub- uh, Ricky Rubio was brought in to mentor the young guards. And during the season last year, Colin Sexton and Darius Godlin, a.k.a. they were dubbed Sexland, uh, they had a nice stretch of playing great ball. Very exciting, but they're still too young and inexperienced. And the Cavs, I'm sorry, Cleveland fans, you'll be in the lottery again this year. Uh, the Pistons won the lottery this offseason, securing the number one pick. 
top prospect, point guard Cade Cunningham. Uh, they got a ton of youth, just like the Cavs. Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes. And it'll be very interesting to see how Hayes and Cunningham work in the backcourt together, being both guards that are used to having the ball in their hands. Not much for the Pistons this year. A top five lottery chance for Detroit is the most likely outcome. Uh, the paces are mediocre. That's about it. Uh, they'll hover around 500 all year. Hopefully last year's trade deadline acquisition, Karis Levert can get healthy and show Indiana the talent that he displayed in Brooklyn. I really, really like their draft pick, Chris Dorte, out of Oregon. Someone I wanted the Knicks to get. Uh, Sabonis and Turner. Studs down low. They beat people up, but the guard play isn't elite yet. Uh, maybe TJ Warren will get back to his bubble ways where he tore up the league in the bubble the summer of 2020. Maybe an eighth seed, ninth seed playing game for the Paces, but that's about it. Uh, the Miami Heat, other than the Nets, I think they're probably the best team in the East. The Bucks are there as well. People aren't giving the Bucks much love, but I really like what the Miami Heat did this offseason. Um, after, you know, faltering last year, the year before they surprised everybody with the finals appearance in the bubble, but they brought in Kyle Lowry from Toronto. It completes their big three with Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Buckets Butler. Uh, they re-signed Duncan Robinson. Him and Tyler Harrow will bring shooting. They also brought in P.J. Tucker from the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, and this is a low-key great signing for the Miami Heat. I think P.J. Tucker is going to bring a lot to that locker room. Same with Kyle Lowry, because both of them have championships under their belt. Both of them are veteran presence to go along with Bam, Butler, Robinson, Harrow. I, I really, really like what the Heat did. They got the potential to be a top two team in the East. Maybe they could surprise the Bucks as the number two team behind the Nets. Maybe they win it all and make it to the finals to go play the Lakers, a little rematch of what we had in 2020. But this time, Butler will have a little bit more explosiveness behind him with Kyle Lowry and um, P.J. Tucker. So I like what the Heat did this year. Um, I think they're going to be a very, very tough team to knock out of the playoffs. They'll win 50-plus games. They'll nab that two, three seed. Who knows? Maybe the Nets with you know the load management with Harden and KD. Maybe the Nets just say, let's just get a top three seed and what have you. And maybe the Heat surprise everybody and take down uh, the number one seed uh, over the Bucks and the Nets. We shall see. Now, obviously, we all know the Bucks won last year, and the question is, will we see complacency this year? Uh, it looks like Giannis found a shot in the offseason, and if that sticks in the regular season, he becomes even more lethal. Giannis with his play down low with a J? Oh, I can't wait to see that. Uh, they bring back the rest of their big three, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleson. No big sexy signings except Grayson Allen, but who'll call that douche sexy? I certainly won't. Um, I'm glad that Giannis got his last year because it'll be hard for them to win another one with the Nets and Lakers in their way. But you know what? The Bucks will be in the thick of thing in the Eastern Conference this year again. All right, the Orlando Magic are in a rebuild. We saw that when they traded Vucevic, Gordon last year. Uh, they got Jalen Suggs with their top draft pick. He was a top three 
draft pick, uh, top three dr- draft prospect. He fell to them at number five. They got him at number five. A uh, little luck for the Magic as the Raptors took Scotty Barnes right ahead of them. Uh, Cole Anthony. Nice player. Fultz has played well as of late, but I feel like there's a logjam at the guard position. Anthony Suggs, Fultz, RJ Hampton. Uh, I don't see much of the magic this year. There'll be a lottery team. I'm sure everybody else will agree with that. Now, the 76ers, they had a lot of drama this offseason with Ben Simmons, and who knows what's going to happen with him this year. Uh, He practiced with the team the other day, but is he committed Will the locker room be sour because of him? Do they trade him for another star like Damian Lillard? Uh, We shall see. Uh, Joel Embiid had an almost MVP campaign last year, his best season to date. But the question is, with the cancer in the locker room, I don't see the 76ers getting past the Nets, Heat, or Bucks. Uh, They didn't add anything this offseason. They just substituted Andre Drummond for Dwight Howard. But if they somehow swing a Lillard trade during the year, I could very well see them challenging the Heat, the Nets, the Bucks to be the top team in the Eastern Conference because Dame Lillard is an assassin. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. You put Dame in a pick and roll offense with Joel Embiid. Ooh, scary, scary sight to see. Now, the Raptors are in a small rebuild after dealing Kyle Lowry to Miami. They got a nice draft pick, like I said before, Scotty Barnes coming in. Goran Dragic comes in to replace Kyle Lowry. Uh, the core of Siakam, Ananobi, Van Fleet are still there. They got some young bigs on the bench. Uh, Chris Boucher. Uh, Precious Achua, they'll probably be around that playing game, 8, 9, not 9, 10, 11 spot. Um, that's what we should see out of the Raptors. But if they don't make the playoffs, I won't be too surprised. And uh, rounding out the Eastern Conference, the Washington Wizards, uh, the one-year Russell Westbrook experience paid dividends late. They went on a crazy run to make the playing game. They played great down the stretch, but he's now in L.A., He's replaced by Spencer Dinwiddie. He's a good player, but you know what? Spencer Dinwiddie is not Russell Westbrook. Uh, Bradley Beal, he'll ball out again like he does every single year. And you got to wonder, when does he say is enough is enough and forces his way out of town uh, to someone like, I don't know, maybe the New York Knicks? That might be a nice destination for you, Bradley Beal, if you're listening. Uh, you should definitely ask out of Washington and Come over to the New York Knicks because, hey, we'll make the playoffs. You'll get that playoff time. You'll be able to shine bright lights on Broadway in the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, Bradley Beal to the New York Knicks by February. Come on. Come on. Make it happen. But yeah, that does it for the Eastern Conference. My Eastern Conference prediction, uh, like I said, the Nets, Heat, Bucks, all the front runners. The 76ers, Hawks, Knicks, Celtics, and Bulls are the second tier fighting for that fourth seed. Uh, the Raptors, Hornets, Pacers fight for the play-in spots. The Pistons, Wizards, Magic, and Cavs are the bottom feeders. But now that I'm looking this over again, the Wizards might fight for that playoff spot. But like I said, Pistons, Magic, Cavs, bottom feeders, 
the Nets, Bucks, Heat will be fighting for the Eastern Conference to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. And at the end of the day, I'm sticking with the Brooklyn Nets to win the Eastern Conference. All right, now heading out west, let's start with the Western Conference defending champions, the Phoenix Suns. And uh, they made headlines yesterday by not agreeing to an extension with their stud center, former first round pick DeAndre Ayton. He wants a max deal. The owner hasn't offered him one. And I think that's a mistake. You know, you can't let Ayton walk. You need to keep building around D-Book, Ayton, Bridges. Uh, They bring back pretty much the same team. And honestly, it's going to be a chore to make it back to the finals. The West is loaded. And I don't know. I don't see the Suns getting back to the finals this year. Uh, They'll probably be in the final four, maybe final six. I don't know. I, I just I don't see the Suns repeating what they did last year. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, they'll be looking to advance past the first round this year after losing in the first round the past two seasons, which is very disheartening considering you have a top three player in the league running the show, Luka Doncic, who is my favorite to win the MVP this year. Uh, the Chris Stapps Porzingis experiment hasn't worked out too well. Porzingis and Doncic don't get along. He was complaining that he needs to get the ball through him. The ball is not going through you, Chris Stapps, when you got an uh, all-star superstar like Doncic running the point. Uh, the more and more Chris Stapps fails, the better and better that Knicks trade looks. And... Honestly, I'm happy the Knicks deal them because like Kyrie Irving, he's a cancer. Uh, Jason Kidd takes over the reins, the head coaching job with the Mavericks, and they added some former Knicks to the rotation. Frank Nicolita, I always botched that name, but he can play some great defense. Maybe Jason Kidd can help him with his offense. And uh, they also brought in Reggie Bullock. So they'll be one of the top teams in the West behind the Lakers and Yeah, I think the Mavs take the next step this year. If they could figure out, if Porzingis can play his role, Doncic will give you, Luka's going to ball out. You know that he should win the MVP this year. I think that Luka in his, what, fourth year now, he should be able to, you know, bring the Mavericks to the Western Conference Finals, maybe the Finals. Hey, we saw what Trey Young did in the Eastern Conference last year. They were drafted, uh, they were drafted like two picks behind each other and, and actually traded for each other um, in that year uh, when the Hawks took Doncic and the Mavs took Trey Young and they made that trade. On to Denver, the Nuggets superstar. Nikola Jokic won the Joker. He won last year's MVP, but they're still going to be missing point guard Jamal Murray this season. Maybe he can make it back for the playoffs. Maybe not. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. signed a big extension this offseason. He is is their number two right now with Murray out. A great young player. The Knicks could have had Michael Porter Jr., but we opted for Kevin Knox instead. That worked out well. Uh, They'll get a full season of midseason trade acquisition, Aaron Gordon. Once again, the Nuggets will be a dangerous team to play in the Western Conference playoffs, but without Murray, their title aspirations might be a little premature. We shall see. Uh, The Warriors, they'll finally have the Splash Bros back this year. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, they have a ton of 
a ton of young talent, which is unique for teams that are looking to contend for a championship right now. But the KD departure, uh, the Clay and Curry injuries allowed the Warriors to scoop up those draft picks. James Wiseman last year, this year, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kuminga, and all those assets are good to have especially if you need to make a mid-season trade and go get a killer to vault the team back into the finals. So it'll be nice to see the big three of Steph, Clay, Draymond back on the court together again this year, and they'll be in the thick of things come playoff time. The Houston Rockets will probably be the worst team in the NBA this year, but their fans should enjoy watching second overall pick Jalen Greenball out. He improved all season long, and he should be the front runner for Rookie of the Year this year. Um, other than that, there's not much else to write home to with the Rockets. Uh, see you in a few years, Houston. Uh, another lean team will be the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've been stockpiling what seems to be like every single draft pick in the NBA for the next five years, and they are in a super rebuild mode. They got young studs across the board. Shea Gilg, just Alexander, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, Poku, new draft pick Josh Giddy. They got those guys to build around. Other than Derek Favors, there's really no vets on the team whatsoever. Uh, so it'll be back to the lottery for the OKC Thunder again this year. Um, over to LA, the Clippers announced designs on a brand new arena coming soon to Los Angeles. Uh, Kawhi Leonard looked thrilled to be at that party. If you haven't seen the video, look it up. Uh, Kawhi's coming off knee surgery. He might not even play at all this year. So the Clippers aren't going anywhere without him. Uh, it's going to be the Paul George show in LA this year. He'll have a heavy load to bear. Um, other than re-signing Kawhi, the Clippers didn't do much this offseason. They'll make the playoffs, but a first-round exit looks to be about right. Uh, the other LA team, the Los Angeles Lakers, they are absolutely stacked with a capital S. They brought in Russell, West, Russell Westbrook to finally complete the big three with LeBron James Anthony Davis. Mello will add veteran leadership. They were very smart to bring back 2020 champions Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard. They're back after a year absence. They added Trevor Ariza, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nung. Like I said, Mello, a complete roster overhaul completely other than Braun AD and Taylor Horton Tucker there isn't much left on this team from last year um, like I said the Lakers are my favorite to win it all uh, LeBron won't have to do much during the regular season with the supporting cast he has he'll be well rested for the playoffs God forbid any injuries and honestly get ready for another epic playoff run from LeBron because he is going to absolutely kill it in the playoffs this year and it very well may, may be his last great season before he starts to fade away. But then again, don't count out LeBron. He's a freak of nature. The Lakers win the Western Conference. They might not be the number one seed because of load management, this and that, but they'll be one, two, possibly three. They'll win the Western Conference in my eyes. Uh, the Grizzlies have their star player, John Morant, and they just locked up his Robin and Jaron Jackson Jr. They lost their leading rebounder and second scorer in Jonas Valashunas, but they got Steve Adams to take his place after they made a trade with the Pelicans. Um, yeah, 
I think the Grizzlies will be okay. They'll probably be in those playing games. Um, but we saw last year that John Morant can carry the team on his back. And like I said, a playing game, eight seed will be in the cards for the Grizzlies, but not much more than that. Another team that's quite not there yet, and who knows if they'll ever be, uh, the Minnesota T-Wolves. They got a superstar, an absolute stud at center, Carl Anthony Towns. But honestly, who knows how much longer he'll wait before demanding a trade. Uh, The time is running up down there, up there in Minnesota. Uh, Last year's number one pick, Anthony Edwards, had a great rookie season. Uh, D'Lo and Beasley are capable guards. Uh, Patrick Beverly is a great addition, 3 and D with a capital D, veteran leadership, but it won't be enough. And like I said, it won't be long before Cat is out of there. And honestly, I I know I joked before about Bradley Beal, but if we're really thinking about who the Knicks are really going to go out, what superstar they're going to get, Carl Anthony Towns makes the most most sense because, you know, everyone's calling the Knicks the Kentucky Knicks. Uh, He has a great relationship with ex-Kentucky coach Kenny Payne, World Wide West, Honestly, if you told me that the Knicks shipped Mitchell Robinson quickly or a few of these pieces for Carl Anthony Towns, I wouldn't be surprised. And I really think that eventually Carl Anthony Towns is going to ask for his release and demand a trade over there in Minnesota. And I think the Knicks are definitely a destination for Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, The Pelicans, they got bad news last week. Zion went down with another injury. It's Groundhog Day with Zion and injuries. Uh, He'll miss the beginning of the season. When he gets back, he'll be playing for his third coach in three years. That's never a good sign when you're just cycling through coaches that quickly. Uh, They brought in Jonas Valasunas. Brandon Ingram took a big step the last two years. They got Devante Graham to replace Lonzo at the point, but they don't got much depth. I don't trust Zion's health, so they'll be missing the playoffs this year. Maybe they'll have a shot at that playing game, but it all depends on Zion's health. And let's be real, the guy can't stay on the court. Uh, The Trailblazers, they have been in NBA purgatory for what seems like years. Not bad enough to get better long-term plays in the draft. Not good enough to make it to the finals. I'm very surprised, extremely surprised, that Damian Lillard is still in Portland. And I really don't think he'll be there for long. He is just waiting for the right moment to ask for a trade, Uh, a trade with the Sixers for Simmons. Maybe Simmons coming to Portland for McCollum if, you know, the Sixers will swallow that. Seems likely maybe a deal to the Knicks. I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me if Dame, it it, it would surprise me if Damian Lillard is a blazer come March. Uh, The Kings are getting better. They're not there yet. Halliburton is a nice young star. DeAndre Fox can ball. Harrison Barnes, very capable three. Buddy Heald's nice coming off the bench, but the most intriguing player they have is Davion Mitchell. I think he's a sleeper for Rookie of the Year. He's going to be an all-star one day. We saw what he did at Baylor when he took them to the national championship last year. Davion Mitchell is a name to look after in the NBA this year. Uh, The Spurs, they lost a lot of veterans. DeRozan, Mills, Aldrin, Gay. They still got Murray, Keldon Johnson, Derek Wright. But a once staple in the Western Conference playoffs will miss again this year for the third straight year. And last but not least, the Utah Jazz. They were the number one seed in the West last year. They should be one of the top seeds again this year. Spider Mitchell, 
Conley, Gobert beasting down low. You had Jordan Clarkson and Joe Inglis both up for six man of the year last year. They got a lot, a lot of depth. They added Rudy Gay, Eric Paschel. They're a tough, tough team. They should be in the final four of the Western Conference again this year, but I don't think they have enough to get past the Lakers um, or the Mavs. They, they, they could beat the Mavs. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lakers. If if the seedings add up, if the seedings play out the right way, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lakers, Jazz in the finals for the Western Conference, Lakers, Nuggets, what have you. Um, but hey, prediction time. Like I said earlier, I like the Lakers to win it all this year. So I'm going with the Lakers to win the West. The Lakers to win it all. Um, if they don't win the West, I would say like before, it would be the Nuggets, Jazz, Mavs, Maybe Suns, maybe Warriors. Uh, the Clippers, they'll be hanging around at the end of the at the bottom of the playoff bracket. They won't make it far. Um, the playing game: Pelicans, Grizzlies, Blazers. If Dame stays for the last, you know, if if, if Dame Damian Lillard stays with the Blazers all year long, uh, they'll be in there for the playoff game, the last playoff spot. We shall see. But it's going to come down to the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Jazz. Maybe the Suns, who knows? Maybe the Warriors come back. There's a lot. It's a compelling, a very compelling Western Conference this year. There's like, what, 16? The Lakers are are number one. And there's five teams that are biting at their ankles right now. So in regards to awards, I think Luka Doncic will win the MVP this year. And Jalen Green will run away with Rookie of the Year. So the NBA tips off tonight, their 75th anniversary season, the Diamond season, and it will be a great year. The fans are 100% back all year long. We don't have to worry about fans not being in this arena and that arena. Last year, the playoffs, we saw how electric it could be with the fans back, and it should be a very, very exciting year this year. And if you're a Knicks fan... Buckle up because it's going to be a great season. We got 50 plus wing wind coming up. And hey, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, you know, relax because the regular season is pretty much nothing. You're going to make the playoffs. You're going to make a deep playoff run. So NBA tips off tonight. Okay, now before we get to the hockey and the Rangers, I just want to touch back on the Aaron Boone bullshit because Brian Cashman just spoke to the media and he had this to say on the decision to bring back Aaron Boone. Uh, Aaron Boone was part of the solution. He wasn't the problem. If he was entering the free agent market, and I believe he'd be the number one managerial candidate in baseball. He's been a good higher. So again, it's like I'm saying with Aaron Boone's agent floating that San Diego Padres uh, manager job out there, the Yankees jumped, they took the bait, they brought Aaron Boone back. And, you know, Cashman saying he's part of the solution, he wasn't the problem. Come on. Come on, Cashman. You're the problem, maybe. He also said that the Yankees aren't as athletic or contact-oriented as they would like to be. We'll evaluate what's available and how those pieces may fit. Duh. Anybody with a, a, a brain can realize that they're not able to put the bat on the ball and make good contact. We need contact hitters. We need speed. Aaron Boone 
isn't the problem. He's the solution. Well, you know what? Maybe let him manage and don't play him like a puppet master. So, uh, hey, at least Ca- at least Cashman knows they need to get contact in the lineup. So let's see what he does come the free agent signing. Uh, when the free agent signing period opens up, maybe he makes a trade to get a nice center fielder that can hit for contact speed. Kettle Marte, I like him a lot. That might be asking too much, but if the Yankees went out and got him. I'd be very, very happy. All right, hockey season is in full effect, and the New York Rangers have been playing great hockey as of late. The last two games, they won last night in Toronto, an overtime thriller, 2-1, to one, and they also beat the Habs, the Montreal Canadiens, 3-1 to one, Saturday night. It didn't start off well for the Rangers. They got crushed by the Capitals, 5-1 on opening night. The following night, their home opener, they lost to the Stars in an overtime loss. Uh, that was, you know, heartbreaking, but the Rangers picked it up, picked up the pieces, won two in a row, and last night's game was amazing. Um, Igor Shosturkin stood on his head, 40 saves, amazing. And honestly, the, the Rangers shouldn't have won that game last night because they were outshot, outplayed. They were outshot 41 to 23. The Leafs won 76% of the faceoffs last night. Obviously, the Rangers won the faceoff when it mattered most. You know, a minute and a half left in overtime. Zabanajed won the faceoff, gave it to Panarin. The bread man delivers. Panarin scores his first goal of the season. And I said it too. I tweeted out on Digsy Picks. Uh, yo, yo, it's Digsy's baby's Twitter. Last night, right before the overtime period started, I said, we need this game. This will be a big win for us. Panarin needs to step up here. He hasn't scored a goal all year long. What happened? Panarin stepped up. I'm the Rangers whisperer. I like it. Um, The one thing I don't like, uh, Gerard Gallant, he's playing with the lines too much. I understand he needs to do that because Capococco is out. He's on the IR with an upper body injury. Ryan Strom's out. He's on the IR with COVID. But, you know, he's playing with the lines a lot. I understand tweaking the lines before the game, but in-game, you know, come on, don't 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 tweak the lineups as much as you're doing. Um, Ryan Reeves, I love Ryan Reeves. Great addition by Chris Drury. He's hitting people nice. He's forechecking like a champ. He's the best forechecker the Rangers got. Um, and yeah, like I said, Sammy Blay, he's hitting a lot. He's throwing his body around. And um, Barkley Goodrow. Great signing. Um, I really like the line when the line is there with, you know, uh, Philip Heal, Goodrow, Sammy Blay. Obviously, they, they tweaked out a lot. We haven't seen that line um, for a game or two now, but I like that. Um, Lafreniere, um, he played great in Montreal, his hometown. The first time he got to play in front of his family, friends, in his hometown of Montreal, Quebec, Canada, what have you. He had a nice goal, five shots on goal, hit, made three hits, took a nice penalty for the Rangers. So um, Lafreniere, man, he, he is stepping up. And honestly, the Capococco injury is disappointing because Capococco was playing really good. He looked like he was going to take the next step. Hopefully it's not too long uh, before he gets back. And, you know, Ryan Strowman, he's an important piece to this Rangers team um, playing on a line there with the Breadman uh, Panarin. Um, Jacob Truba looks great. He's hitting, blocking shots, and 
Adam Fox. What more do we need to say about Adam Fox? He's the best defenseman in the league, reigning Norris Trophy winner. And the passes and plays that that man make, man, he sees the ice like last time the Rangers had a defenseman see the ice like he did was in the 90s with Brian Leach. So the Rangers are 2-1-1 and right now to start off the season. Um, the road trip continues for them, which is surprising because, you know, the way the way they're moving around right now is a little weird. On Thursday, they head down to Nashville to play the Predators. And then Saturday, they head back up to Canada to play the Senators. And you would think that with all the COVID issues that Canada's having and them being so strict, you'd think that they would keep the Rangers in Canada. You know, they played in Montreal, um, Saturday night, the Toronto Monday night, you figured they'd wait up there to play the Senators, but they shoot down to Nashville, head back up to Canada to play the Senators, and then next Monday, they are home against the Calgary Flames. So looking at this right now, they should beat the Senators. Um, I think they should win one of the other games, the Predators or the Flames. So next time we speak to you, the Rangers should be four and two and one maybe four one and two i'd like to see but all in all it looks very promising for the rangers this year they're playing great hockey as of late and they're having a better season than the islanders i know it's only a week but the islanders haven't looked too hot so far this year so let's go rangers baby let's make the playoff spot and the garden's going to be rocking this winter this spring with the rangers and the knicks both playing uh great hockey great basketball now heading over to the wrestling world they had the big matchup the big head-to-head moment Friday night when WWE SmackDown put on an extra half hour to go up against AEW Rampage, and the numbers are in. The full numbers, SmackDown won 866,000 to AEW's 578,000. But when you look at the key ratings, when you look at the demos, Rampage beats SmackDown in head-to-head 30 minutes in the most coveted range, the 18 to 49 demo, 328 to 285. So big picture, both companies are going to swing it that they did better. WWE is going to say that they won the ratings battle. They won the full ratings. AEW won their key demo, the 18 to 49 demo, and that's the most important demo for pro wrestling. But things are getting chippy, man. Tony Khan is out there. He's talking a lot of shit against WWE. Uh, WWE really hasn't responded, but it's getting very exciting in the pro wrestling world. And hey, we got some great events coming up. And honestly, the one thing that's telling is WWE SmackDown is going to the new UBS Arena in Belmont at the end of November, and they only sold like, I forget, like maybe 40, 50% of the tickets where AEW is going there a week later, and they already sold 80% of the tickets. So WWE, man, they saturated this market too much. They've been up to New York way too many times for Raw, SmackDown. They're coming back here in the fall Survivor Series. So you're going to have Survivor Series, which is Survivor Series is like a week before that SmackDown. It's like, or maybe it's that maybe Survivor Series is that Sunday. I don't know where the Survivor Series date is, but you're coming back to the New York market way too much. And of course, you're not going to sell out. 
Of course you're not, because who's going to want to go to SmackDown when you could go to Survivor Series a week before or a week after? AEW, I understand they were here with Newark and then uh, Arthur Ashe uh, a week apart, but AEW's young, AEW's fresh. People want to, you know, how many times have you been able to go see Raw and SmackDown in New York? People want to see AEW, and I'll be there December 8th. AEW Dynamite and Rampage at the new UBS Arena. So uh, that will be fun to see. So yeah, that does it for this week's episode of Yo-Yo, It's Digsies, the podcast, episode number 10. Hopefully we'll have some better news next week with the Giants. I doubt it. Uh, make sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and we will see you next week. Yo, yo, it's Digsies, baby.